Hey there and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host Jack and welcome to the 2023-24 NBA Season Preview uh, Prediction Podcast, Mini. Um, bear with me tonight. Um, very late for those that follow me on uh, Instagram. Yes, went to the Monday Night Football game. Um, still, um, oh my gosh, a lot of emotions. Um Crazy game sucks. We couldn't. Greg Joseph couldn't pin them back even further and uh, nail that game to make it an eight-point game. Um, but super thrilled we got the game. Uh, ceiling interception um, and fun stuff. So yeah, like I said, bear with me. Very late tonight um, and really wanted to do this uh, tonight. Truthfully, I didn't think I'd be getting back this late. So. Um, without further ado, before we get into it, we actually have some news. I will bring this up on this week's uh, weekly podcast as well. But it happened today, and I'm super stoked about it, so I wanted to drop this to you guys. And it is that um, the um, uh, the Wolves earlier yesterday, no, earlier today at about, what was it, probably 2 o'clock or something like that, um, agreed to a five-year, $136 million contract extension with Jaden McDaniels. Um, the deal includes no options, which is nice. Um, and McDaniels is still one of the very um, young, promising players that was drafted in uh, a couple years ago with Anthony Edwards. Last year, he enjoyed a breakout year, averaging 12.1 points while shooting 51.7 from the field and nearly 40% from three while becoming a full-time starter. Um, some of the things, you know, they talk about, um, he had the lowest field goal percentage allowed as the closest defender. He ranked um, among the league's elite defenders last season and routinely guarded the opposing's best team player. Um, he held Draymond Green to 41.1% from the field, Porzingis to 452 from the field, um, oh no, sorry. He had field goal percentage against him, 43.6%. Only Draymond Green um, and Nick Claxton had uh, better field goals against him percentage. So um, already being this young, already being <laughs> touted as all um, NBA defensive, you know, de- defensive player of the year stuff, um, it's uh, it's pretty... Pretty amazing. So the adjusted um, contract extension for the projected $142 million salary um, will start next season. Um, excuse me. So super, super excited to have him here for five more season, five more years after this season. Um, and can't wait to see what uh, the likes of him and Anthony Edwards can uh, do this upcoming season. Um, and build off of, you know, the success from last year. So, yeah, um, for those that did listen um, to the NHL um, season preview uh, prediction we did a while back, we're going to kind of keep a similar <clears throat> uh, format. So we'll kind of go over some of the storylines we're excited um, excited about for this upcoming season. <clears throat> Talk about overall, like, projections, um and standings, and then we'll kind of get into the Timberwolves um, before wrapping up for the night. So, 
I think first and foremost, I I have about you know after looking into you know a bunch of different stories and stuff like that, I th- there's about six storylines that coming into the season that um, I'm excited about. And the first two, I'm going to do these two first because they're a little more, um, they're a little more, um, you know, league-wide as a whole. So the first one is um, I'm interested to see, excuse me, the impact of the updated player resting policy for this upcoming season. So I actually didn't realize this until um, looking into it, but back in 2017 um, was when the NBA first started issuing $100,000 fines to teams for resting healthy stars in high-profile and nationally televised games. It's it's nothing new to this because there has been something of an uh, something of a problem with teams resting stars in these games for a couple years now. Um, but an update um, this season adds teeth and subtly rebrands the idea. Um, and the player resting policy is that now actually called the player participation policy will go into effect this season. And we're going to kind of um, describe like what this means. So the league has defined the word stars as anyone who's been an all-star or on an all-NBA team in any of the three previous seasons, which creates a group of about 50 players, give or take, that if rested in a way that runs afoul from the rules, could trigger team fines north of a million dollars. So there are exceptions. The exceptions are essentially for, you know, your LeBron Jameses, your Kevin Durant's, your older players, but for those that are curious, exceptions exist for players 35 and older, those with more than 34,000 career minutes, or 1,000 combined regular season and playoff games. So like I said, it's really just protecting guys like um, LeBron, you know, the older stars that are trying to, you know, just maximize their playing and trying to win as many championships as they can before they hang it up. Um, the new policy is designed to keep teams from scratching healthy stars, like we mentioned. Um, and it started last year, but with the new 65-game minimum to be eligible for MVP, all-defensive teams, defensive player of the year, all-defensive team, most improvement honors, um, has incentivized players to get on the floor as often as possible. I know amongst people I know, it seems like the opinion of that's a good idea is unpopular. Um, I understand, and I can see where people are coming from, from the standpoint of why make it mandated? Like, the season's so long, like, you know, injuries happen, things like that. Like, and I get that. Like, you can't control your injuries. You can't control how long injuries keep you out. And this and that, the other thing. But keeping a game minimum does make sense. Like, you look at a guy like Kevin Durant. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. The guy played unbelievable. He was injured for more than half of the season and then came back in the playoffs. But the guy was averaging like 32 points a game. But he only played like 35 games, you know. So it's not, it's not in my mind, in my opinion, I don't think it's really fair for a guy like Kevin Durant to get the nod for MVP for averaging 32.5 points over 35 games 
versus, you know, maybe a guy like Jason Tatum, who averaged 30 or 31 a game, but played 70 games or played 80 games. You know, like, there's something that has to be said about guys that are, you know, able to, you know, play through injuries, guys that, you know, play the games. And part of it, truthfully, I'm not going to lie, is I still do believe and I feel like Anthony Edwards got snubbed out of Rookie of the Year. Now, he seems like a guy that's not really in it for the accolades or the personal accolades and just wants to win a championship. Um, but the dude played 82 games and averaged more points per game, more um, assists per game, and rebounds per game than LaMelo Ball. And he played, I think, 25, maybe, yeah, 25, 28 more games than LaMelo Ball did. Um, LaMelo Ball just got the nod for whatever reason. And, you know, don't get me wrong, this isn't me showing, throwing shade at LaMelo. But Anthony Edwards should have by and far got that um, award. So I like that they um, <coughs> are doing this. Um, teams can still kind of skirt the rules by citing, you know, suspect ham injury strains or soreness um, that crop up on second nights of back-to-back sets. So it'll be interesting to see how organizations try, you know, to game the system in, you know, service of load management and stuff like that. Um, so that'll be interesting. But the other um, kind of league-wide um, sorry that I'm looking forward to this year is the debut of the in-season tournament. So we're essentially about to see if an extra 500000 and a newly minted NBA Cup trophy are enough to coax maximum buy-in from all 30 teams <clears throat> during the part of the regular season that typically feels more like a feeling-out period. So the inaugural in-season tournament will span from about November 3rd to December 9th using the already scheduled regular season games to form a group stage, followed by a knockout round. The semifinals and championship will be played in Las Vegas, with the latter being the only games that don't count towards the team's final records. Um, You know, I think a lot of people reading into it believe it's generally a good idea to model things after European soccer, which, um, you know, peppers various cup games and, you know, auxiliary tournaments and what have you into the normal league schedule. Um, and truthfully, the NBA could do a lot worse um, uh, than um, taking a page out of the book from the most the world pop, most popular sport. Uh, the question is whether the league, you know, that already has issue with devalued regular season, you know, games like we just talked about, is offering enough incentive or not. Um at the very least, I think squads might uh, that might be out of postseason mix by the trade deadline in February will have something of an opportunity to compete in slightly more meaningful games that'll be helpful in the development of you know the younger players, you know, and maybe even fan interest things like that. Um, however, it remains to be seen how contenders for the actual NBA championship, especially those led by guys like you know Al Horford, you know LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Um, who need their rest will approach things like that too. So um, it'll be interesting to see how those two, um, how those two um, pan out. Um, and then the second big one is, you know, very similar uh, to the NBA or, or the NHL series season. I'm very interested to see how <laughs> young guns of um, um, Victor Wembanyama and uh, Scoot Henderson do you know will 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 they live up to the hype i think a lot more people are interested to see what uh, victor wembanyama can deliver on um what would be ridiculous expectations of, for almost anyone else in nba history 
Um, <laughs> but it uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, for over a year, we've uh, we've all had those exhibition games against the G League Ignite footage of um, his games with the Metro ninety two that often looked like it was shot from the nosebleeds. Um, but it'll be interesting to see you know how he matches up against. You know, the likes of, you know, Chet Holmgren, um, Anthony Davis, um, Chris Porzingis, um, Al Horford, you know, some of these, you know, older, you know, guys, obviously, you know, he <clears throat> can do great things, you know, against guys his own age. It'll be interesting, just like, you know, just like the LeBrons, just like the KDs, just like, you know, the Zions, which we're going to get to, um, you know, you you look good because you can dominate your um where you're at and the hype becomes can you do this at the next level and some can some can't i think he's you know he'll, he's going to win work here this year um i don't think the spurs as a whole are going to have that much of a um a better season this year versus last year but um again we're just going to have to wait and um see what happened so i'm also um so other than that there are a couple other storylines i'm excited about um so that was three so the fourth um the fourth um these last three are specifically around um you know three specific people chris paul on the golden state warriors how is that going to work out um you know this is a team that already has stephen curry Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevin Looney, who were the best high usage five man unit in the league last season. Um, so if that dominance seems familiar, it's because the Warriors prefer that starting five was nearly as good when everyone was healthy in the twenty one twenty two playoffs. <laughs> so tinkering with that lineup would be the epitome of trying to fix something that's not broken. But with that said, when you have a guy like Chris Paul, um you know, is, you know, is he willing to come off the bench? Um, is he willing to play, you know, limited minutes? Um, you know, you got to understand, like, this is obviously a really, really old team. You know, you look at guys like Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green and CP3. All four of those guys have been in the league, I believe, for at least eight years now, if not more. Um, Andrew Wiggins is, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure, the youngest by a landslide. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think this team is honestly going to have some trouble getting out of the gates early in the season. And I think that's typical um, when you add somebody of that caliber trying to figure out minutes and usage and all that kind of stuff. We saw it with the Heat. We saw it uh, with, when LeBron went there. We saw it at, you know, at the Cavs. You see it all the time. But that is one storyline I am very intrigued about. Um, the fourth, um, obviously, Damian Lillard in Milwaukee. Some aspects of the uh, the acquisition are easy to forecast. You know, a franchise that it has issues with uh, bogged down and predictable playoff offense is adding, arguably, you know, the most effective pick and roll ball handler in the league. Um, a lead guard whose team routinely perform more than 10 points per 100 possessions better. <clears throat> so I think adding Damian Milwaukee has addressed its greatest weakness. The Bucks are almost certain to be much better on offense, especially in the late game and postseason moments that matter most. 
However, to get Dame, they sacrifice depth from an already thin and top-heavy roster, um, it's co- which has compromised a perimeter uh, defense to a degree that can't be understated. Um, and to make matters worse, Drew Holiday um, has since been rerouted to the rival Boston Celtics after heading to Portland as a key piece of the Lillard exchange. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of production the Bucks can get from their bench. Again, Lillard is older. He's still a, he's still very good, you know, and you can still rely on him to do a lot of different things. Um, but if there's one thing, um, a lot of us know it's that if you want to make a deep run in the playoffs, um, it's typically from teams that swear by their top, you know, you know, eight, nine, ten players that have deeper benches um, and are able to keep guys fresh and kind of coming on and off the court. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens um, with them. And then the last two storylines um, that I'm uh, getting excited about here. Or that was five, so the last one. Um, Zion Williamson. I really think this is a critical season for Zion. He's played in only 114 games in the last four years. That's an average of not even 30 games, but 28.5 per season. And he missed the entire 21-22 campaign because of a foot injury and a hamstring strain that cost him all the 29 contests last year as well. And as a result, every mention of Zion's generational talent now comes in conjunction with concerns about his health and fitness. Um, it's not so much that Zion's last chance was to prove he can stay on the floor or that he's forever lost in the benefit of the doubt, but some optimists, I believe, always hold out hope that he'll eventually deliver a dominant full season. Um, however, for the pragmatis- pragmatists out there, another injury-riddled r- campaign Headlined by questions about his conditioning and commitment, um, may may leave the league and you know New Orleans in question. Um, so whether he's able to be um, you know healthy is a big part of it. But we're just gonna have to wait um, and see what happens. I know he's under contract for about five more years, but I mean if you get another riddled season or if you get another uh, season, or if you get a season from him that's less than, less than ideal, um, you know, questions start coming up, you know, are you worth the money? What should we be doing with you? Um, and, um, and things like that. So, um, yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these players. (coughs) Obviously super excited to have the NBA back. Um, great time of the year. Um, the, Meat and potatoes of the MLB playoffs are coming to fruition. Um, the Texas Rangers just knocked out the Houston Astros earlier tonight uh, to punch their ticket to the World Series for a date with either the Philadelphia Phillies or the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and then, you know, NHL in full force. Um, football, NFL season in the middle. Like, great, great time of the year. Love this time of the year. Super excited to have the NBA back. And can't wait um to see um can't wait to see everything that uh, transpires. So with that, I figured we'd get into um 
kind of predictions, um, like as far as where I I think teams will go out. Um, I think that I think um, we'll start with the Western Conference. Um, I got the Denver Nuggets um, in the one seed. <coughs> Excuse me. I got the LA Lakers in the two spot. The Phoenix Suns in the three spot. The Timberwolves in the four spot. Sacramento in the five. The Warriors in the sixth spot. The Clippers in the seventh. Memphis in the eighth. Um, New Orleans, if Zion can stay healthy for at least half the season, in the ninth spot. And the Dallas in the tenth spot. Um, I think the Nuggets got a tad worse with the loss of Bruce Brown. But they really maintained the rest of their starting lineup, so there's no reason to think they shouldn't repeat it as a one seed. Um, I think for um, uh, L.A., I think it'll be a really good season for them. I think, you know, they added a bunch of guys. Austin uh, Reeves got up there, um, and I, I, I really think um, LeBron stays healthy. And um, they do a good job of, you know, watching his minutes, all that kind of stuff. And I think that'll be a fun year for Denver and L.A. to potentially get back to the Western Conference Finals and see what happens. Um, The Suns have a star. uh, Look, the Suns have a ton of star talent on paper with Beal, Durant, Booker. Um, But their bench, similar to the Bucks, is a little bit of an issue. And Yusuf Nurchich is... A little bit of a downgrade, I do believe, from DeAndre Ayton. So they should um, be better in the playoffs than in the regular season. But again, only time will tell. As far as the Wolves, um, generally, you know, they're gonna. I think they're gonna be better this year. I think they're gonna fit, finally figure out the uh, twin tower thing. And Anthony Edwards is just gonna continue to improve rapidly. And I think they finally start hitting their groove um, uh, in last year's playoffs, and it's gonna carry over here. I think the Kings benefited last year from great injury luck in their 48-win campaign. Um, But the running back mostly the same roster and should be somewhat of a dynamite offense again that may have some questions on the defensive side. Um, And then, you know, you get down to, you know, it may be surprising to have, you know, teams like um, the Clippers... And the Warriors, um, in the six and uh, six and seven spots, um, the Western Conference is uh, honestly going to be a bloodbath all of this year. I really do believe both of those teams have stars and have been impacted by injuries over the last couple of years as well. It'll be tough to squeeze out a ton of season victories without seventy plus games from you know their stars. Um, but again, wait and see what happens. Um, and then the Mavs, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Thunder should also be in the mix for playoff spots. Like I said, the Grizzlies were poised to be one of the best teams in the West, but John Moran's suspension along with season-ending injuries to Adams and Clark decimated their team. Pelicans and Mavs are impossible to predict because of Zion and Kyrie have been total wild cards, but you know I think they should be relatively solid in those spots. Um and then the Thunder are running back most of their 40-win team from last season. While I like their talent, their starting lineup just doesn't fit as well as I, I'd like it to with two below-average shooters in Dort and Giddy. 
<clears throat> and I think they're just the odd team out this year for me. Um, and then on to the Eastern Conference, I actually have the Boston Celtics in the one spot, Milwaukee in the two, the Knicks in the three spot, um, Philadelphia four, Cleveland five, Miami six, Toronto seven, Chicago eight, Atlanta nine, and Indiana <clears throat> ten. Um, I'm not even going to get into the to the top two. I think there's no wrong answer. You can go Milwaukee, Boston, Boston, Milwaukee. Um, of, but there are no other options as far as I'm concerned. Um, um, and then the Sixers, Knicks, and Cavs, I think, are the next tier down. They should be able to, um, they should fight to be the last two home court advantage teams in the East. I think the Sixers could be the dark horse of the conference. Doc Rivers uh, was a scapegoat for many of their issues um, the last couple of years. Um, Nick Nurse should be an upgrade from a tactical standpoint if they can't get Harden back on the same page. I mean, if they can, sorry, I misspoke. This will be a tough team. The Knicks were a completely different team after trading for Josh Hart um, and Dante Givincenzo was a great pickup for them. They should improve from 47 wins. Um, the Cavs benefited from a very, very good health from last season and around 251 wins and the fourth seed last year. Um, and they should also be getting some internal improvement from their young starting core. Um, but unfortunately after those five teams as, a a ton of teams just in the middle. Like I said, it includes the Heat, Bulls, Hawks, Hawks, Raptors, and Pacers. Those five could finish in any order, but I'm sticking with what I already told you guys. Uh, um, all the reason to believe that they could improve from last season. The Heat, unfortunately, who missed out on the potential Lillard trade, will take a step back. The Bulls added some desperately needed shooting with Carter and Craig. The Hawks are going to benefit from a full season of Quinn Snyder coaching the team. Um, the Raptors looked at their best after tra the trade deadline with um, Jacob uh, Portal, um, and they'll have him finally for a full season. And the Pacers were terrific last year with Halliburton and adding uh, Bruce Brown in free agency as well. So um, should be, um, needless to say, a very, very <coughs> fun um Fun season. So that is what I kind of have for um, uh, for you guys um, this year. Um, and then I have, uh, we're going to finish it off here with some Minnesota Timberwolves uh, bold predictions for you. Excuse me. Sorry. So with that, um, my first of three bold predictions, uh, the Timberwolves are going to receive all NBA recognition this season, folks. Um, it's no surprise um, and no mystery that we had zero all-NBA team members this last season. I think that's going to change and change dramatically this upcoming season. <clears throat> now with a fully healthy um, squad, I think we're poised to have not just one, but multiple all-NBA team selections this season. The first... Um, um, the first that's going to garner some consideration, uh, his name's Rudy Gobert. <clears throat> he's a, he's already a four-time All-NBA selection, and I think a bounce-back season is in his range this uh, for this upcoming year. His last year was a massive change of scenery from him going from Utah to Minnesota. He's in a huge position to return to his old form this season. 
excuse me, and contribute massively on the defensive end as the Wolves anchor this season. It's also worth noting Carl Anthony Towns is a two-time All-NBA center too, and this year he's going to be vying for his first ever selection as a forward last season. Towns struggled struggled shooting the ball from three-point range, um, and uh, it was the second lowest of his eight-year career. While he only played in 29 games last year, he did post a career-high 4.8 assists per game coming back from injury. Towns is honestly on track to set a new career high as a facilitator, while his distant shooting, I believe, returns to form. And then lastly, Anthony Edwards. He made a giant leap last season as he became a full first-time All-Star. He then took another huge step forward this past summer playing for Team USA during the FIBA World Cup and quickly became regarded as one of the top players for Team USA as he strung together multiple great performances on the world stage. And now, I believe he has a chance to leapfrog into the conversation of one of the top players in the world. Don't get me wrong, I do know becoming an All-NBA guard is difficult in today's league, Outperforming the likes of, you know, you got Doncic, you got Shea uh, Gildress Alexander, you got Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, the list goes on. Um, But I think that's one that Edwards seems ready to take on. And it's important to note um, if he does make All-NBA team this season, his massive rookie contract extension he signed this offseason would escalate from $207 million to $260 So he could have a little bit of incentive to go after that too. Those three will not be the only ones getting recognition this year. My second poll prediction, Jaden McDaniels will win most improved player of the season. Last year, look, Jaden McDaniels already took a notable, noticeable step forward on both ends of the court this last season. For those that don't know, he posted career highs in points, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. Um, and um, McDaniel, sorry, McDaniels is in line to receive a higher volume of uses, I do believe, as the Wolves will play a full season um, without former point guard D'Angelo Russell. I think McDaniels has the skill set as a skilled shot maker off the dribble to take a big step forward this year, similar to kind of what basketball fans saw last year from Mikhail Bridges um, after being traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn. So with all these positive indicators, it's also worth noting um, that um, McDaniels is him. I mean, a lot of people believed he got... He should have been a top um, person for Defensive Player of the Year and all things like that. Um, And third and final prediction, the Timberwolves will win a playoff series. Um, This is perhaps the boldest prediction yet of the three that I have. Um, But with my belief with them finishing in the fourth spot, um, we win a playoff series after having the luxury of hosting a first-round series. Um, it's uh, worth noting the last time this happened, Kevin Garnett led the Wolves to the Western Conference Finals during the 2004 NBA playoffs. Nearly 20 years later, the Wolves have never won a playoff series since. We've won games, but never a series. Winning a playoff series, I also believe, would go a long way, not only validating the Gobert trade, but also means so much to our passionate, passionate fan base that hasn't seen great playoff basketball 
very often for the past two decades. Um, and like I said, looking at their division too, that should help. I mean, you got Denver, who's going to be tough. But for some reason, we played really well against them last year. We beat, we actually won the series against them three games to one. So you look at our division and you got four games against Denver, four against Portland, four against Utah, four against OKC. I mean, just right there, those four teams, there's no way or there's no reason we can't go, you know, 14 and 2, 15 and 1 in those games. Again, it's a matter of getting those leads, closing out games, and actually winning them. So <clears throat> it'll be, once again, for one of, for the hundredth time, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Super excited. Um, basketball, NBA basketball is back and can't wait to see um, it get underway. Until next time, me.